You're listening to a Chirp Radio podcast. You can find more interviews and features at chirpradio.org slash podcasts. I'm Jesse D. I'm with Chirp Radio, and I'm here with Jordana. Hey, what's good? Thanks for having me. No problem. Thanks for coming in. Yeah. I was just curious about your musical background, because I know you're primarily self-taught. Yes. How did you first pick up a guitar? Yeah. So I grew up as a really serious ballet dancer. I mean, every day after school, we would skip school for performance weeks because it was really intense. Um, And then around 13, 14, a couple things. It was clear that my body was not cut out for the company I was in. You know, it was not going to work. And um, I saw older women in the company get kind of harassed for their bodies that looked very similar to mine and I just knew it wasn't going to work out and I was depressed for a lot of reasons um partly about my body um which is a bummer when you're surrounded by a lot of women who could have the ability to bring each other up and home life there were a lot of things going on and I went to my first concert which was (laughs) metro station if you're familiar (laughs) but i was so obsessed with metro station and so (laughs) i had never been to a concert before my mom agreed to drop me off in downtown philadelphia at a place called the electric factory um with my best friend at the time i saw trace cyrus who is miley cyrus's stepbrother um on stage being a total ham, like, I think he played the bass or something, and just, you know, doing the, what do you call that when you, like, spin the guitar around your neck? You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> when they, like, whip it around their neck, and, like, the crowd's going crazy, but I could just tell, like, the energy and all these, like, little emo boys on stage were so hype. And I just remember looking at Trace Cyrus and being like, that's going to be me. Like, I'm going to do that. Because, like, I have this angst. I have all these thoughts. I'm already so invested in music through dance. You know, it's always been a part of, like, my thinking process because I was literally raised in a studio where movement connects to music, thought connects to music, emotion connects to music which is why I love dancing so much still. Um, Tried convincing my mom to get me a drum set because I thought that would be the coolest. (laughs) And we couldn't afford that. So I ended up with an acoustic guitar. And I remember the first night I had it, wrote like three songs, (laughs) just playing like one note (laughs) on the guitar.
So I know that when you first uh, started performing in Chicago, the band that you were in was a little more Riot Girl focused, yes. Glamour Hotline. Why and how did you make the transition from Riot Girl punk to more sultry R&B? Yeah. So I actually started when I was younger writing more sultry, not R&B, but blues. I mean, the music I was playing as a teenager was blues. I was in a band in high school that was blues rock. So the kind of sultry, slow moving has always been in me. Um, Always. And I honestly never saw myself playing punk till I moved to Chicago. And it was like my first kind of taste of real independence. And I was searching for something to kind of hold me up in this new way of living independent and in a new city without knowing anyone. I was really looking for something in music that could almost be like a friend to me when I didn't have any yet. Um, And how it started is I saw that documentary about Kathleen Hanna, and it's about the whole Riot Girl movement. And I saw that documentary, and I was like, (laughs) oh my god, this is out there? I didn't know. I had no idea. I had been listening to, uh, I mean, blues, jazz, and classic rock. That's what I grew up listening to. So the women in my life thus far had been Janis Joplin, Amy Winehouse, Sarah Vaughn, a lot of jazz standards, uh, Dinah Washington. And (laughs) that documentary was like, these are my new best friends. These are my idols. I started investing my entire being into Riot Girl because it's, it is a support system, even though you don't know these women personally, but they're telling your story, you know? So I fell in love with that. And didn't have any friends yet, but I was like, I'm going to start a Riot girl band. <laughs> and it was so punk. It was so purely punk and Riot girl. We had no idea what we were doing, but we had shit to say. Yeah, so then the transition from my Riot Girl phase, which was so important um, in my life, the transition to more R&B music happened because um, the Riot Girl lifestyle was really taking a toll on my mental health. Uh, I do not separate myself from my art at all. You know, every piece of me is in my art. Every piece of my art is in me, and I was angry. I could not catch a break. Um, I was really upset. I was struggling in a relationship um, because I could not let myself go. I could not be vulnerable because in my mind... When I was writing this music and performing this music, you know, I, I didn't have time or space to be vulnerable. I started writing solo music for the first time, and it was the first time I got to take a step back and just look inside. 
which is hard. It it's hard to take like a real look in the mirror when um, you maybe don't like what you see. Obviously, you pour a lot into your music and your shows, and everything feels very intimate and raw and vulnerable, but also like powerful and honest and yeah. direct and upfront. So, like the show that I went to, they're super intimate shows. You like hand the roses out. Yeah. You tell people to like make love to themselves. Yeah. Right. It's like very positive. Yeah. Why did you decide to go in that direction with your live performances? I think it kind of goes back to when I started playing Riot Girl music. What I was looking for in music was like a friend. I have so much social anxiety, like fear of people not liking me, fear of people um, talking behind my back, you know, social anxiety. (laughs) And I wanted to create a space, a moment where people could feel noticed and loved and safe and even if they are alone, feel welcome. And yeah, so that's kind of the approach I took when I first started playing solo shows. Even without a band, I was doing, um, I should do this again. When I first started playing solo, I was playing a lot with a looper pedal. so I would loop things and then interact with the audience in, yeah, like, intimate ways. I would, like, hand somebody a glass of wine. Um, I would pass around this clipboard with questions on it, like, um, what are you doing to make your community a better place? And then with a pen, people would write answers. And it was something that I could see strangers talking to each other or, like, laughing, even if they're a little uncomfortable, like, oh, what did you write? And... So when I perform, I really want it to be a moment where people feel comfortable either alone or with a first date or with a friend. And I just want people to feel loved because I've spent so much of my life not feeling loved or not accepting love. And everybody deserves that feeling. Yeah. I feel like the intimacy and everything you were just talking about extends to your social media presence as well. Mm. Like it's super intimate (laughs) and it's really funny seeing like the balance of your personal life to your music writing process. So last night, because I was up too, (laughs) at 3.30. I actually saw that you saw my story at that time and I was like, okay, we're both (laughs) up before this interview. (laughs) And thinking about it too, because like, I mean, I follow other local artists too, but they're not posting things like, Listen to this demo I just wrote. I'm so excited about it. Yeah. Why you feel the need or why you think it's important to keep posting things like this in a public way? Um, I mean, almost everything I do roots back to what I've always wanted from an artist. You know, oh my God, if Carrie Brownstein from Sleater Kinney was just out here posting herself like moving a couch into her new apartment, I would be so stoked because... I mean, at the end of the day, I'm just a person, and I think that's important. And I think also, I mean, the age range that's watching me right now, I think the youngest is like 18 years old. Um, Some people are 17, but 
I think it's so important to see the contrast between like when I am on stage, I'm playing sexy music. <laughs> like, let's be real. I'm I'm playing like sexy, sensual, romantic music. But I think it's important for people to be like, okay, you can do that and also go home and like look like a troll with like four chins and eat macaroni for every meal and like have crazy anxiety about everything because I think the more that young people see that oh I can be totally flawed and weird and kind of gross you can be both you can be sexy and liberated and sensual and also yeah like disgusting and like tired I think that's so I think people need to know that so that they can feel empowered to be sexy sensual liberated as well i'm jesse d i'm with chirp radio thanks so much for joining us here today thank you so much for having me you can find this and other chirp radio interviews and podcasts at chirpradio.org slash podcasts lucky for you, lucky for you.